0: Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. TCL
1: is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand.
0: After a brief hiatus, I would say it's it's been brief. It's been a couple weeks since Daniel House and I have been with you here on the Score North Gopher Show. I'm here in studio. Daniel, of course, joining me per usual uh, in in these in these uh, later Score North Gopher shows. He's been joining me via telephone. Daniel, it's it's been a nice couple of weeks off. I feel like we we got to uh, we got to enjoy Christmas with our families, and and now we're back, and we're we're ready to get into some. Some uh, New Year's Day bowl game preview here, Daniel. How 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 are you doing?
1: Doing well. This is an exciting time of year because it's bowl season. Tonight we got the Cheese It Bowl, so I'm like <laughs> jacked about that. Hoping it lives up to the dr- uh, drama that it did last year.
0: You know, I I don't know how it wouldn't with with Mike Leach uh, being involved in any in any way, shape, or form. I have been enjoying bowl season. You know, yesterday in the in the quick lane bowl, we had we had a quarterback uh, make contact with an official in in his last game, and uh, I had never seen that before. I, that that was a new one in in terms of uh, what you see in these in these random bowl games. But I think all in all, I've been I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. I've I've, I've been thoroughly entertained.
1: No, that bowl season always provides intriguing storylines, and some of the matchups this year are really good because there's diversity in terms of what they're doing offensively and defensively, and the matchups are strong. So, yeah, I'm really excited to start seeing it pick up now because tonight's really when we start to see the bowl game quality increase to another level.
0: Yeah, you got, um, of course, Iowa – playing uh, playing this this evening so that'll be interesting to see as I mentioned Washington State rounds out the night but what I want to talk about Daniel and, and we've been uh, kind of raring to go about this is the Outback Bowl January 1st, noon central time, Minnesota takes on, or number 18 Minnesota takes on number 12 Auburn and what I think is going to be, if you know if Wisconsin wasn't the biggest test of the year this is certainly up there in terms of uh, taking a step up in class and Daniel I, I want to get your initial thoughts on what Gopher fans should be prepared for when uh, when taking a look at the, the Auburn Tigers.
1: Well first off defensively is the big thing that I've noticed when starting to dig into Auburn. I just posted a huge breakdown of their front seven and a whole bunch of other aspects of the team and what stands out to me is the defense is really aggressive. They like to send a lot of different blitz packages. Kevin Steele Wants to give you a ton of different fronts, looks, disguises. They're going to be very confusing, and, and he's going to have extra time to dial this up, so I'm interested to see what he does. But Auburn's 12th in defensive efficiency. They stopped the run. They're 18th in defensive stuff rate. Uh, eighth in opponent rushing play EPA. So running the football is going to be difficult, and then when you have players like Derrick Brown in the middle that give such great interior push, especially against the run and even splitting double teams when he gets doubled, uh, rushing the passer. Just a top-ten draft pick that you have to deal with in a bowl game that's deciding to play. And Marlon Davidson on the edge, she has seven-and-a-half sacks. They're a really good team at creating negative plays, and that starts with getting that interior push and then having players with such good strength on the outside like Marlon Davidson. And I know a lot of people are talking about Nick Coe, Uh, deciding to declare and not play in the bowl game. He had a limited role this year. He led the team in sacks last year, but his snaps were cut uh, drastically down. It still played a little bit of a rotational role, but I look at Auburn's defense. It starts with the the defensive line and the talent they have there, and then at the linebacker position with some really, really rangy players. Kobe McClain's a rotational player that I was intrigued with, and K.J. Britt, downhill tackling machine, had nine tackles for loss this year, and then the top outside linebacker in the last recruiting class, Owen Popo, he's a true freshman, and they move him all over the field to use his athleticism and skills, but the one thing that I think offensively the Gophers can attack Auburn with is the receivers. They're very aggressive. They send a lot of blitzes, so you're going to be in situations where you have man-to-man coverage, and I like Minnesota's receivers in those situations when they've had them this year. So being aggressive, are they maybe going to scale that back a little bit to account for what Minnesota does offensively? We'll see, but I want to see how they approach that.
0: Daniel, and what we've seen all year is that how important it is for the Gophers to stay balanced offensively, and you can pretty much say that about any college football team. But with you mentioning that uh, Auburn's run defenses, especially where they're, they're pretty stout up front, how – I mean, how important is it for the Gophers to not abandon the run if if things start to turn early and you start to maybe fall in love with the pass or need to get back into the game if if they fall a score or two behind? How important is it for them to remember the game plan and, and keep Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks involved in the offense?
1: Well, that's an important part of the game plan. You have to find a way to creatively run the football. Is there different wrinkles that they could deploy to possibly help themselves Especially with Daniel Falele potentially not being able to play with the ankle injury that he suffered against Wisconsin. You aren't able to use heavy personnel packages, which I think had a great impact on the rushing attack and the ability to protect Tanner Morgan. You saw that in the Wisconsin game when they got really blitz aggra- uh, happy with the blitz and sent a whole bunch of different looks. Minnesota really had a lot of trouble picking that up. And with Auburn, they're going to take a similar approach. They're going to be on another level in terms of aggressiveness. So finding a way to run the football and blending that into the game plan is going to be important. Honestly, I feel like screen passes, swing passes, uh, delayed draws are going to be things that are successful because of how aggressive they are. They really, really get after it defensively. They'll play man-to-man on the outside. They'll press you. Um, and when they do that and they send their linebackers you have the opportunity to to delay and hand it off or you know it's going to be very difficult I think to use the outside zone scheme as much that they have benefited from this season because of the speed going sideline to sideline with this defense so again it's it's really difficult to know how Auburn's going to defend Minnesota especially with this extra time because I anticipate they'll probably try to take away the intermediate game more, which means they might drop guys and not play as aggressive. But what we see on tape is a team that is going to get a lot of, of man-to-man matchups, which is good for the Gophers.
0: And, and I, that's a perfect segue because Daniel, I wanted to bring up what the Gophers when when they're when they're rocking and rolling at their best. What they do best is they win on the outside. They win with those receiver matchups against, well, in 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 normally against Big Ten corners. Now, uh, taking into it in, into effect that you're going to be going up against a, a you know much more talented, you would assume. Uh, auburn defensive backfield do you think the gophers are going to struggle to win on the outside like uh, something they they have not yet to do so far this year do you think they run into a problem there when they're going up against the athletes on
1: auburn's defense honestly i feel like there's an opportunity to pass the football and i just wrote about this you go back and look at the the georgia game and the alabama game lsu matchups you see how some of the teams approach the vertical passing game, mixing up some of their concepts. I believe some of the things that Minnesota does offensively will match up nicely. And and you're sure, almost certain that they're going to counter and defend a little bit differently because of that. But Javaris Davis is their best corner. He, He doesn't have a lot of size. He's five foot nine, but he's a track star. He's one of the fastest guys on the field. He's cousins with Vernon and Vontae Davis. So, one of the best players in their secondary is is Davis, but I see an opportunity to throw on Noah Igbinakin and Roger McCreary. It, it, it's a tongue twister, Noah Igbinakin. You got it. Let's see if we can let, let's try to get that one out. <laughs> but those two guys, uh, they rotated them in and out, and teams had some success throwing the football on them. So that's a matchup to watch. And Jeremiah Dinson, he's their leading tackler, safety in the back end. That. They move all over the field. They flex him, move him into the box, bring him as a blitzer. Uh, He's a very aggressive player, one of the the most talented players on that defense. So to answer your question, passing the ball I think will be challenging at times, but I think there's opportunities if you set it up the right way with some of the, the concepts that you use.
0: Daniel, I want to transition to Auburn's offense because as with most offenses in college football, they tend to come and go with the play of the quarterback and that's no different with the Auburn Tigers. Their quarterback freshman, Bo Nix, he has been I, – i he's had a pretty successful freshman campaign. However, he, is, he performs much different in the games that Auburn has won compared to the games they've lost in wins – Bo Nix is 60% passing, 202 yards with a 13 touchdown to 2 interception ratio in losses. Now those losses are to Georgia, LSU, and Florida, but in losses he's only 50%, a buck 82 with a 3 touchdown to 4 interception ratio. Much different than he's played in wins this season for Auburn. I think a big part of whether or not the Gophers are going to be able to, to, to score with Auburn, potentially even win this game, is going to be the play of Bo Nix. And what say you about Bo Nix?
1: I'm really glad that you brought this up because it's an interesting trend that a lot of people have been discussing. And as I dive into Auburn, there's a couple things that really stand out in those games where Bo Nix didn't play very well teams decided, okay, we are going to play with two deep safeties. We're taking away the passing game, the vertical downfield play action stuff that really makes this offense tick. And we're not going to dedicate an extra defender in the box because we feel confident enough that we can stop the run. And teams were able to do that successfully. Georgia dominated the line of scrimmage, which allowed them to play more coverage, and Bo Nix just didn't have the throwing lanes. He was under pressure with people sending four-man rushers they didn't have to blitz they weren't extremely aggressive playing that coverage really shut down the passing attack and when they were able to stop the run without needing to dedicate defenders it really made it difficult for Bo Nix to be successful this team offensively from the games that I watched and the film that I've been studying they are really built upon running the football it helps the whole offense tick they run the ball They use the zone read. They have about three different option looks that they like to tweak up. Uh, They'll mix in zone schemes, power schemes, they'll run counters, uh, different wrinkles that you have to account for. They'll get into the wildcat occasionally. So I see a team with a lot of different wrinkles with misdirection and motion and play designs that are unique. Bone Nicks has to have a, a game where they run the football early. They're able to Start establishing that, and then the play action is kind of the bread and butter. It's, it's one of the big things that Gus Malzahn has in his offense is we're going to attack the defense vertically and horizontally, but we also want to – it's equally as important to run the football well. and Whitlow has, has really been a back that stood out to me, an aggressive runner that picks up a lot of yards after contact, and he's a pretty good receiver too. So Whitlow, you have to be able to tackle him really well uh, in space.
0: Yeah, we've we've seen the Gophers have uh, you know a bit of tackling issues pop up. The Wisconsin game comes to mind right away, Iowa as well. Of course, both those resulting in losses for the Gophers. You bring up Whitlow as as a playmaker on the ground. He's got just under or just under 800 yards a season. He does have nine touchdowns. What I think is interesting too, Bo Nix seven touchdowns on the ground, adding mm-hmm. quite nicely to his total. So you mentioned the read option. Is that a big part of their offense, especially when they get in the red zone? It seems like right.
1: Yeah, they love to use that quite frequently when they get into the red zone, especially when you see defenses start uh, biting on, on some of the fakes. I think Bo Nix does a really nice job of that. After they've set up all this misdirection, the one thing that I wrote about in my piece is they have a base play, a running play that they will start using early on, and they'll establish that, they'll use that, and then eventually they'll throw a little wrinkle in there where maybe a guard starts to pull and you think it's a buck sweep, but it's not. And then they throw a play action wrinkle in there where they throw a dig and a post and they use a whole different slew of passing concepts against you. So you have to be ready for everything. I think Bo Nix's ability to extend plays and use his legs, the designed runs that they use, like you mentioned, uh, he's very underrated in that category. I think people automatically assume that you know he's just a passing quarterback and I don't see that when I watch the games. I notice how well he can extend plays and move with his legs, and it's 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 a portion of the offense that they that they've started to use uh, with him.
0: Daniel, one thing we we've seen in the uh, the couple losses the Gophers have this year, especially it 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 came up in the in the Wisconsin game, is just they they weren't winning as much up front, both on offense and on defense. Is that going to be something where we might see the Gophers struggle maybe in a in a size and strength? Uh, Matchup against a, you know, a, 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 let's face it, a a solid SEC team that recruits very well in Auburn. Are, are they going to be able to? We, are the Gophers going to struggle at the point of attack, do you think?
1: That's the biggest X factor in this one. How do they manage to help themselves protect the quarterback better, especially if Falele is out? Are they able to scrounge it up a six o line package to help with heavy personnel? Are they using tight ends more? Are they tweaking the different packages that they use, the personnel groupings maybe? Getting creative with some of their looks. Uh, This is an opportunity when you have a few extra weeks to get ready for a game. You can throw out some different stuff. And, you know, Kirk Shiraka leaving obviously is going to impact play calling, but the game plan is in by now, so it's really not going to impact the overall. foundation of what they're going to do offensively that's set, it's just executing that on game day and that's going to be a collaborative effort for everyone involved so yeah i mean i just look at the whole overall uh, overarching matchup the, the pass rush for minnesota is the other thing that hasn't been solid in recent games you look at the front seven havoc for minnesota they're 92nd out of 130 fps teams and creating tackles for losses and sacks and That that percentage is too low. They have to get that up. And in order to win this game, they're going to have to use the versatility of their linebackers, maybe blitz more until they get that defensive line built up to the point where they're able to consistently rush well with four guys.
0: We're going to get to Daniel's keys to a Gopher victory in just a second, but you because you mentioned it, we'll, we'll dive a little bit into that now. Uh, as, as Daniel mentioned, Kirk Shiraka, he is leaving the Gophers to take a job as, an off, as the offensive coordinator and I believe also quarterbacks coach at Penn State. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, he's doing both.
0: Okay. Is that is that rare for, I mean, obviously you think of NFL um, and, you know, it's, it's a split position. Is that rare for, for college or for just football in general to have both of those combined?
1: At the college level, it's pretty common because they only have so many assistant slots and in order to fit other luxury on your staff and maybe have a cornerbacks and a safeties coach, you have to combine one so, area and it's often frequently done that they have, the offensive coordinator take the quarterbacks because they're essentially working hand in hand anyways.
0: So, yeah, it's
1: it's a trend across college football.
0: Okay. And and what can you say about just the the move for Sharaka obviously moving in con or you know staying in the Big Ten, which is an interesting move as well as the same position realistically. But with Penn State, it's it's a you know it's a, it's a much larger program, it's a, it's a you know signature program in, in college football. What can you say for the for the move um, where some people might think it's a lateral one, just to the same position, but at a program like Penn State.
1: Well, I just see the opportunity for Shiraka to go back home as being one of the main reasons why he wanted to be there. And he grew up watching Penn State, and it always felt like maybe if this job opened, it would be something he's interested in. His family's on the East Coast, so he's a little bit closer to that. Um, and growing up in the area obviously played a big role in the, the decision to leave, and So now Minnesota just has to start figuring out how they're going to approach this offensive coordinator position. Do they hire within? They have Matt Simon, wide receivers coach, who's going to take over the play calling duties for the Outback Bowl. He certainly has a lot of experience. He's been working on play calling in the Sunday night practices that they do with the underclassmen. So they've been grooming him behind the scenes, but also Clay Patterson, the tight ends coach. He developed some really explosive offenses at the Juco level, uh, actually some historic level stats coming out of his programs and the RPO system that he ran there really would allow them to expand and build upon what they've done already. So do they do that or do they look outside uh, for an offensive coordinator? I think this job is just really attractive from an outsider's perspective because you have nine returning starters. You're only losing Rodney Smith and Tyler Johnson offensively. So you have a lot of, really great skill people to work with and pieces Tanner Morgan's coming back so the way it sounds pj fleck was getting a lot of calls about this offensive coordinator opening and there's interest there because of the groups they have and and the way that they've been able to flip the script of this program
0: very quickly before your keys to a to a gopher victory do you think the offense under simon is is it gonna look any different or do you think i mean it, obviously Shiraka had been working up until he took this position and you had mentioned that the you know the game plan's already logged and you know they they kind of understand what they're going to be doing um do, in in terms of what gopher fans see or what you see on the when you watch the game are you gonna notice anything different
1: i don't think there'll be a huge difference especially since they haven't been able to really tweak it the way that they would like to, maybe Simon, because the game plan is all in already and they really don't have a lot of time to make a move now because it happened so suddenly. Maybe game flow-wise, he has some different philosophies of how he approaches things, such as when to run the ball less frequently in some certain spots, or tack, be a little bit more aggressive early in the game. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be able to see right away whether there's a little bit of a shift in how he approaches the offensive game flow.
0: All right, I've teased it twice now, Daniel. What are your most important keys to the Gophers coming away with an Outback Bowl victory over Auburn?
1: Well, I see it being up front. You mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to protect the quarterback. Tanner Morgan's going to need to get the ball out quick. I see opportunities for the Gophers to really – use the screen game, swing passes, throw the football into the flat, involve the running back stick routes are something that could potentially be really advantageous for this team. Uh, I also noticed in in a couple games that they were able to really attack vertically, uh, switch concepts are something that they could use quite frequently because of the fact that they play so much man coverage. And throughout the year, they ran crossers and mesh concepts to pick uh, defenders in the second level so again it it comes back to trying to see what matchups you get and then catering your play calling to that and then on the other side of the ball it's defensive discipline with so much misdirection and smoke and mirrors that Gus Maldon will throw at you and he'll set up that rushing attack with base plays and then hit you with the play action so Linebackers are going to have to be really disciplined with the the motions and the reverses that they often do. And you just have to be uh, sound on the edge and sound everywhere defensively or or you're going to give up some explosive plays in a hurry. Auburn, the the one thing we didn't talk about was the sugar huddle that they use. And you'll see it in the post that I just put up on my Twitter feed at Daniel House NFL. But when you see a half semicircle about three yards away from the ball, Pay close attention because a sugar huddle is being used, and that's something that is a way to add tempo to the offense. So when they when the offensive line is positioned cl- so close to the ball, they're able to hide the personnel grouping that they're using. So oftentimes the people that are on the outside will fan out first, and then they will immediately turn when those people are set. The offensive linemen are ready to go, and they are able to quickly snap the ball. It's a part of the tempo. Uh, that Gus Malzon really likes to use. So keep an eye on that. It, it can be tough for defenses because you aren't sure what personnel they're going to have out there. And then with all the misdirection that they're already using, uh, defensive discipline and protecting Tanner Morgan, getting the ball out quick, those are the two keys if Minnesota wants to beat Auburn.
0: We we talked about the keys for Minnesota, but I kind of want to go back to to Bo Nix as, as I mentioned before. He just – he, that's going to be the key i think to to whether or not minnesota is able to to come away with a victory here is his play what can they do defensively to to you know play tricks on the on the freshman and 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 maybe be able to steal one from him
1: well i feel like the coverage disguises that they've been using all year are going to be very beneficial throughout the season they mixed up their their coverage coverages quite a bit so they can go from cover one to cover two and Change things up at the snap to, to mess with Bo Nix, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach the defense without Tom, without Kamal Martin there. Uh, he's obviously a big part of that scheme, so they'll heavily rotate linebackers like Braylon Oliver, Mariano Sory Marin, people like that, and see how they they approach the the rotation there because uh, the the linebacker discipline is the big thing. I keep coming back to it, but if you are, your eyes wander, you're in the wrong spot, you over-pursue them, and they run it the other way or use play action and hit you, uh, it, it's not going to end well because you're going to give up a lot of explosive plays.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that's, you, you mentioned it about three or four times, and I think it's well-warranted. Um, the number at this game, by the way, we I always like to touch on this. Gophers are seven-point dogs. I believe it opened at eight, so it's moved back a point How do you feel about that number, Auburn being seven-point favorites over Minnesota?
1: I feel like that's a reasonable number at this point just because of the matchups that I see. Auburn has the chance to really hold the advantage in terms of the the talent on the field, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I see that front seven and how Minnesota has responded in the games that they've played up front on both sides of the ball against the top-tier SEC. That's probably – right about right, if you can keep that within a seven-point game, I consider that a strong, strong performance. And you never know, these games with so much time to prepare, if you come up with a great game plan and you throw some wrinkles out that nobody has witnessed before, the, the, the playing field is leveled in that respect because you have so much time to prepare.
0: Yeah, I, I'm actually really excited for this game. You know, I, I, there, I think there was two trains of thought and we can briefly go into this. There was two trains of thought for this bowl game. What did you want? Did you want a, a game that Minnesota would have a, a really good chance of winning if they matched up with a, a more inferior opponent? Or did you want a true test in the SEC when when they were throwing around Auburn and Alabama? And they got that. This this Auburn Tigers team is is very good. You know they they they've only lost to Florida, LSU, and Georgia. Three very good teams. The Florida game was mainly because Bo Nix just struggled in that game. But they were in that, especially that that Georgia game late in the year. They they were right there with in the, LSU too. They were right there in those games. So this is a this is a true test, maybe even a bigger test than than the Wisconsin game. I think is is in these uh, these Auburn Tigers.
1: I love the fact that they're getting this type of a challenge right at the end of the season. Why not learn where you can get better, improve some of the areas that maybe are a little bit weaker, play against a top-tier SEC opponent, get some of these younger guys in the game to receive a taste of what it's like, and continue working and practice. All that extra time that you get, that's so valuable to help develop your team and Keep pushing forward. If you play someone that's not as high caliber of opponent, you're not getting as much out of it. So the mm-hmm. fact that they get to play Auburn, I'm, I'm really excited about it because it provides a lot of challenges that can help you next season and give you some areas to self-scout and improve.
0: Not even just the on-the-field growth that you mentioned with getting those guys that experience, but the eyeballs on the program. I mean, you're playing against an SEC opponent on New Year's Day at at, at noon. Like, there's going to be so many eyes on this game. It's just like the Penn State game, just like the Wisconsin game with the prelude of, of college game day being there. This is on that level of eyeballs on the program, and I think that's exactly what, what P.J. Fleck wants.
1: Yeah, I do too, and that's the the level that this program is elevated to, getting that national exposure that they had all this season and now playing in the New Year's Day Bowl against the top-tier SEC opponent. It's just the next step in the process of developing this team and getting their brand on the national stage because that's the key takeaway for me uh, for this season was the fact that Minnesota has put its program – in the national conversation, and now how do they build upon that, move up to the next tier with Wisconsin and Iowa. It all starts with continuing to add talent, and this last recruiting cycle leaves me optimistic that they are starting to add the pieces they need to get after the quarterback more, which is what the big X factor is for me entering this offseason.
0: That is the end of the the college or the uh, the Outback Bowl uh, preview part of the Score North Gopher Show, but we we're not going to be done yet because we have yet to talk about the University of Minnesota Golden Gopher men's basketball team yet on the show this year. At least Daniel and I have. They are coming off of a four game stretch, Daniel, where they have uh, victories, pretty pretty substantial victories over Clemson. Number three at the time, Ohio State, and at a neutral site, they they beat Oklahoma State by twenty. And I believe Oklahoma State had two losses at that point. And we're it's kind of unexpected from the way the Gophers start the season. But when you look at some of their losses, Oklahoma, Butler, Utah, DePaul, who at the time was undefeated. I mean, they're playing the the losses this year against, I mean, at least decent opponents. It's it's making you believe that maybe when they get into Big Ten play, they can actually make some noise.
1: Yeah, I love the way that they've been playing. It all starts with the guard play. I believe we talked about it last time. It was like 3-for-29 in that Iowa game. Yep. It was strange to me. I felt like they were in that ball game the way that their low post play was going. If they could have gotten some scoring outputs from Carr, Kelsher, or Peyton Willis... They, they could have won that game on the road, and now you're starting to see the guard play come to life. Marcus Carr going off Oof, against Ohio State. That showing was how He can create his own shot, uh, and, and that's the big value. Last year, they just didn't have that dominant guard play, and I look at the Oklahoma State game. Marcus Carr does a tremendous job of, of getting the ball teammates and creating shots for them. When, when he is is on his game, dribble penetrating, attacking, finishing at the rim. He he gets a lot of attention, but not many people talk about how talented he is at helping other people get good shots. And Gabe Kelscher is someone that has to get a ton of looks in this offense. And now we're starting to see him hit shots and play confidently on both ends of the court. I think their team defense has been pretty good in, in a couple of these Wins too, so the it's been the whole package, and then we didn't even talk about Daniel O'TuRu. Right? Mm-hmm. He's been dominant, and you're starting to see that growth and physical development that he had this off season show up on the court.
0: He's what I've been really impressed with, Daniel, is O'TuRu's touch. I mean, he's developed a jump shot. It's it's not the it's not the prettiest looking thing, but. It's effective, and to the point where he can step out and and even start to start to take some three point shots, and and that's a, a new wrinkle to his game that we didn't see too much of when he was a freshman. I'm sure it was always there, but he was kind of working on becoming a post player first, and that is so important. But he's been looking like he can actually, you know, if he if he keeps this up, keeps growing, keeps getting bigger, stronger, and 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 fine tuning those post aspects of his game, he's looking like he could be someone who plays at the next level.
1: Yeah, I see him being an NBA talent. Just seeing how he plays defensively now, he's more physical in the post. Like you said, the touch and the jump shot. That was one of the things that uh, Richard Pitino's dad, Rick, was talking about on Twitter and in some podcasts, that Daniel True helped the key to this team being able to compete in the Big Ten. And now we're seeing him developing that mid-range game you're able to use him more with this guard play possibly in the pick and roll side of things. There's so much potential when you actually have quality guard play in a dominant big man. I just wish we could have seen this team with Marcus Carr last year because, man, it really has changed everything for for the Gopher basketball team.
0: It's funny how our text conversations just find their way into the podcast. But I was going to bring up too that Ohio State game towards the end when Marcus Carr was just it was just shot after shot. We were just literally texting back and forth. Marcus Carr, Marcus Carr, Marcus Carr, <laughs> like it was it was ridiculous, and he. I I didn't. I mean, I don't know, Daniel. I I didn't I didn't see any of him at at Pitt, but I I didn't think he'd be this kind of player. He's. I I said it to you. I think he's their best their best guard since since uh, since Hollins since Andre Hollins. And I mean, I I maybe I'm overlooking some, but I I uh, the scoring that we're seeing from him. It's, it's pretty special, and, and if, if this can continue, if you can have the big three, so to speak, of Karo, Turu, and Kalsher, who in the last three wins they've averaged 22, 21, and 19 points apiece, I, that's something that they can definitely build on, and I'm, I'm excited to see where Marcus Carr can go from here.
1: Yeah, me too. And the fact that he's only a redshirt sophomore. You have so much more potential with this guy being someone that you can build build around in the future and seeing how he's playing right now is, is definitely encouraging because you have to have that guy that can create his own shot and set up opportunities for his teammates and Marcus Carr has shown that early in the year and like I said, that backcourt play just didn't really seem to get going until after the Iowa game, they took that time, and they had a, some space before the next game, and then all of a sudden, everything started to come together. And it, it's weird how that works. Sometimes you just need to reset and get away, and it seems like that was really beneficial.
0: A couple things, too, that I just want to bring up. I mean, you saw the Gophers struggle early in the season with three consecutive losses. As I mentioned, Oklahoma, Butler, and Utah, there were those three losses all I mean, Butler's not a power five team, but Butler is, is ranked right now. They're a good basketball team. And, um, but those, those three, that's what happens when you play good opponents early in the season. And, and it's why coaches kind of hesitate to, to schedule those, those big games early. Cause you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, case in point, we don't have a, we don't have a, uh, any, any, team that's undefeated still in i mean is is i take that back is is gonzaga still do they are they still undefeated
1: uh i believe so
0: okay so they're they're the one but again and and they're not going to play anybody going forward i think they've they've gotten all their their difficult matchups out of the way but i mean every how many how many it it would be daily where a number one team it seemed like a number one team would be going down and it just because there's there's not that dominant force in college basketball this year. And we're even seeing that in the big 10 where eh, this is astounding, but there has not been a big 10 game where the away team has won this year. Is that insane?
1: That that's startling just because of, it just shows you how valuable playing at home is in this conference. It always seems to be that way and you have to grind it out, but there's, so much competition from top to bottom in the Big Ten this year, all the way down to Rutgers. I mean, the the Big Ten is going to be really tough night in and night out because there's so much talent. And Michigan did beat Gonzaga earlier in the year, so that just tells you already... (laughs) It's been the number one just keeps going I, down. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be unreal. Yeah,
0: that's what I said. I, I, I that's what I thought. There, there was. I'm pretty sure there's no undefeated team, and if there is, it's not someone who would be in you know in the top teams. It's it's just a matter of time. But I'm pretty sure no team has a has a zero in the loss column, which is pretty crazy just to say. And I mean, you look at the Big Ten. Everybody except for Northwestern. Northwestern's zero and two, and Michigan State's two and zero, and everybody else is one and one. So it's 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 pretty. I think it's going to be a fun year in the Big Ten. You got a lot of good teams. You mentioned Rutgers. Rutgers uh, has played really well this year. They've they've um, they beat Wisconsin pretty handily in Wisconsin, and or, I'm sorry, at home against the Badgers. And and I mean, the Badgers have kind of fallen off a little bit. But I think everybody can beat everybody this year. It's going to be that kind of season.
1: It will be, and it's night in and night out. You're not going to know really what to expect, and that's really the case with this Gophers team because of the way that they are built. They're more of a shooting team, and they're reliant on hitting those three-point jumpers. You see in the Oklahoma State game how well they did from beyond the arc. That sets the stage for everything that they do, and if they're shooting the ball well and they're in a rhythm, they're they're playing fast and and cohesive on defense, they're a totally different team. And that's the identity that they built is if you're not shooting the ball well, it's going to be really tough to win. And now they've finally started to do that after struggling in some earlier games.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key. I think, I think shooting the three, especially in the college game, it, obviously it started – in the NBA where, where you had teams really adopt that philosophy, starting with Golden State and Houston, and basically trickling down even to where the Timberwolves are, that kind of team, even though they can't really shoot. But everyone's kind of adopting that that's just a, the better way to play, and you're going to be more successful doing that, and it's nice to see the Gophers really adopt that too. Well, that's, that's, that's going to do it for uh, today's edition of the Score North Gophers show. We're definitely going to have more on Gopher basketball, so definitely stick around for that. Of course, Daniel House. I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners where they can find your uh, your your bowl game preview, where you you did a write up of what Gopher fans can expect. Where they where can they find that?
1: You can find that on my Twitter account at Daniel House NFL. I just posted it. It's a complete Outback Bowl preview. I pulled out some plays from the Auburn playbook. I was able to get access to the 2010 version of it, so there's a lot of insight that you can't normally find online so you'll wanna check it out when you get the chance.
0: House he always gives you a little bit extra and we appreciate him for that. Well for Daniel House, uh, I, I we I appreciate you joining us here on this edition of the Score North Gopher Show. We're gonna be back. I suppose it'll be I'm thinking next next Friday is going to be about when we return for a outback bowl review show as well as we'll we'll break down some other stuff too but that'll be the main show that uh, that where involves the outback bowl breakdown so keep your eyes open for that again for daniel house you can find him at daniel house nfl on twitter me i'm at murph underscore mn thank you for a great season of gopher football thank you for joining us again on the score north gopher show